Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. My guest today is Dr. Jan Newman. She's a licensed clinical psychologist, certified executive coach, and former big law attorney who now works with multi-passionate high achievers, nerds like us, who want to level up their lives. She's a published author and researcher and a frequent speaker on topics related to emotional intelligence, interpersonal effectiveness, and psychological flexibility. She is also a proud mom, wife, avid hiker, skier, and scuba diver. Jan's story is super instructive, I think, particularly in her scientific, systematic approach to leaving law and finding her new career. For example, she read, what color is your parachute, and really used it to formulate a plan of action and take steps that she followed through on. The thing I think she really teaches us in this conversation is that this is all an experiment. You don't give up trying to cure cancer because the first trial didn't work. You keep going. So outline your ideas, try them out, learn from the feedback. Don't expect to have all the answers all at once. It's a process and it's not a failure. But if you stick with it, you'll eventually find that good career fit. One last thing, Jan has very generously offered three free 45-minute sessions to the listeners of this podcast who reference it. So I'd highly encourage you to jump right on that. So enjoy our conversation. Hi, Jan. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Megan. I'm so excited to have you here and uh, excited to get into all the meat. But um, with everybody, I like to just start by asking, what took you to law school in the first place? Oh, that's a good question. Um, isn't it for everybody? I think that's like the burning <laughs> question. We, I, and everybody wants to say something very brilliant. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but I would say the majority of us have something more along the lines of, uh, I don't know, it was there. <laughs> right, exactly. I was there, it was there. Um, I think it started with me when I was younger. I, I read books like to Kill a Mockingbird, and mm-hmm. you know, I I don't think I watched any of the legal shows that some people will say they watched, like L.A. Law or something. But I, I totally I, grew up on L.A. Law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't claim that, but I thought about it, and then my mom always, I think, harbored this dream of being a lawyer. And actually, I think she would have been great at it because we're not very much alive. <laughs> yeah, I love her dearly, but but she would say, you know, it was always like, what can you do? And it was lawyer, doctor. You know, it's, that's a yeah. good, in quotes, career. And you, you can find the data to support that. Like, I guess you could watch, you know, parts of LA Law, or you could watch Matlock or some of those shows about these lawyers who do good or whatever. Um, yeah. And you can get that narrative, but ultimately, I was interested in the subject matter that went with that in my bachelor's program. And then one of my professors was like, "You should go to law school. Of course I should, because what data do you have to support that? You did well, Holly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so well, yeah, well. I mean, I think that's actually it's that is exactly it. Is that that most people get told they should do it because they're doing well in whatever their 
you know undergrad is and they're like well you're smart you should go to law school right (laughs) exactly exactly and I guess if you were really good with science and not as good verbally or with debate and things like that then they'd say go to the doctor I don't really know exactly yeah pretty much I found my way there but you know you may ask this question later but I mean um we might talk about this later but I I knew the minute I walked in on orientation day I was like like a Scooby Doo episode where I'm running backwards. <laughs> oh no, really? So that's interesting. That was going to be my next question. Was sort of how did you like it, and was it what you expected? Because, but that's interesting because I've talked to a lot of people, and some people are like, I didn't love it, or a lot of people actually really loved it. But I haven't heard someone say they had that particular reaction. How did you know right off the bat? So it was really interesting, and I will and I will qualify this by because yeah. I loved the people that I met the first day. But yeah, we were in a um, there was a very famous criminal lawyer. I went to the University of North Carolina, which you know you may get other kinds of criminals. They're awesome. Um, but <laughs> there was a very famous North Carolina lawyer who tried this really important case, and he was talking about that. And you know he's just talking about how much the law means to him, and it's just this beautiful, wonderful thing. And the things he's talking about, though, I'm, it's just, I'm not, I'm like, this is not what I want to do. Like, I don't want to yeah. get in there and fight and, and I, that's not who I am. I'm like a lover, not yeah. a fighter. <laughs> yeah. what, what's going on here? And then I, you know, I, I, at the same time, though, I met some incredible people that day who are still my friends today. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, that was the part of law school I loved. I loved relationships with some of my professors and the people, um, which fits cause, because I'm very relational, but yeah. the subject matter of what he was talking about, even though it was criminal law, which would be really cool. I was like, yeah. I'm just feeling this. <laughs> was there any part of you that thought early on, like, should I bail? Because I actually oh, yeah. have a, a very good friend from college who was a paralegal and went to actually to Wake Forest for oh, law school. Mm-hmm. And she was there for one semester and they were, she's like, I love the people. I'm out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely had that thought. And it was funny. Like, I mean, again, from day one, I mean, vividly, I remember riding home on the bus because my first semester I didn't have, was not allowed to have a car. And then I got one later, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. But I rode home on the bus with this um, person who was pursuing, I think a doctorate in physical therapy. He was in the military. And he is like talking, we're sitting together. He's like, I just want to tell you about my first day. I know you're a complete stranger, but I am so excited. And he's talking about this. And here I am holding it together, (laughs) wanting to fall. um, And I'm I'm thinking like I want to find this passion, this thing that's my calling, and this isn't it. And now my parents they've spent money and all this stuff, and I've spent money, and right. you know I'm I'm like doing that whole catastrophizing thing, right? Um, and and feeling I, locked into it already, like it yeah. wasn't a choice to not do it at that oh, point. Oh, absolutely, almost. absolutely. Yeah. It's like you know you're. I think a lot of times when you come straight out of undergrad, it's like you're on a ladder and you're climbing and it's the next rung and you just start climbing and you're like, wait, yeah. I didn't even check where I was climbing to or <laughs> why I was climbing at all. Exactly. And, you know, I'm actually not even off the ground. I could get right back on the ground. <laughs> right, right, right. And I think that happens so often at different stages, like, you know, going to law school right out. Like there's so many people who probably listen to this who I'm like, you're so early. It's so you have plenty of time. Oh, right. But they don't feel that way at all. It yeah. feels like I'm 20, you know, 22 yeah. years old. I'm ancient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
if I don't get it together now, that's it. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, Yeah. I definitely had those thoughts. And I I can remember talking to somebody there, probably in career services, about leaving. And, you know, it was very much like, you're not serious. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I. I, you know, I, I've gotten to the point now where I don't regret it. And so that was a process. But in that yeah. moment of being there, there was definitely this, you know, I felt like duress, like gun to the head. Uh-oh. You've got to yeah. do this and you've got to finish it. And then by the time I got into it, you know, the stress becomes so real. Right. You really don't have time to think about why you're there. You're just trying to survive. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that sentence describes so much of what law school and being a lawyer is like that (laughs) (laughs) at every stage it's like if I had the time and energy to ask myself questions and find the answers and be reflective I would but I'm just so busy and stressed that I'm I I don't find myself doing those things that might actually lead to a better outcome yeah exactly exactly yeah absolutely so you did get through law school. I did. I did. <laughs> and uh, what area of practice, what did you do when you graduated? Well, it's kind of interesting because I, I, I and I, this is a sidebar, just a footnote, but I think that yeah. practice area, if there's a way to salvage a legal career, I think the practice area is a place to really focus. Yeah. But as you know, the way that you get there is basically if you're, you know, if you get your summer job or internship or whatever, if it's at a firm or a nonprofit, it's like whatever they have an opening in, yeah, you know, and that you clerked in or summer clerked in, that's where you go. Um, even if you want to do something very specific, it's just kind of where they have an opening. So I started um, in corporate because over summer clerkships, I had not really liked litigation. And yeah. so I started in corporate transactional like securities. Um, That's what I did. Yeah. I, um, anybody that worked with me, I'm so sorry, but I hated that. Um, <laughs> um, I did. I liked it better than litigation. So it seemed yes. like yes. the lesser of the evils to me, but I, I didn't. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I did actually start to find that I enjoyed working with um, life sciences companies, tech companies, and did some licensing in corporate. So yeah, within like the first year and a half of my um, practice, I was trying to get more in the life sciences and tech transactions group. And so I mm-hmm. kept pushing for that. And I, I think part of that was also lifestyle because corporate deal work is really stressful. I mean, I left my um, bridal shower. Like I, I, th- I actually had a, a friend who was an associate call me when I was coming home from New York attend the bridal shower she was throwing for me and she's like you've got to stay there to do the rest of this due diligence review no no, oh yeah and I'll just reschedule it I'm like why didn't you say anything she's like I don't want to tell them this do you want to tell them this (laughs) this is my bridal shower (laughs) you know Um, I mean this is exactly why (laughs) this doesn't this is exactly and um and then you know when I worked on and when I kind of started doing more licensing the people in that group, they, they, had ne- they, don't, they don't have those kind of deadlines. They don't do that kind of work. And so it's really rare. So yeah. I just, I think that lifestyle change right there really helped me. I mean, it didn't solve yeah, that makes the sense. problem of I didn't like law, but 
Definitely. It, it sort of helps solve the immediate, like, today sucks. <laughs> yeah, so badly, I don't think. Because yeah. I, mean, I didn't want to go back. I mean, I can remember crying, not wanting to go to work. My husband, like, yeah, why are you binge-watching yeah. binge this in the dark? <laughs> like, I'm hiding from life, you know? I know. And the thing is, I, you know, I know this was my experience, and I think probably a lot of people's is, you're in this world where everyone is living in that same space. And so somehow you start to accept that that's normal and like that's yeah. everybody's yes. experience yes. in the professional world. Yes. Um, yes. Particularly when law school is something that a lot of people go straight through and they're young and this is really their first job. So there's like no reference point. And you're just like, I guess this is just my fate. This is what life is. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I mean, I, I feel like when you, there was a point in my first legal job um, which was a regional law firm. And then I ended up in big law, which was actually better, which I think that would blow some people's minds. But anyway, yeah. in my first job, um, I can remember just, you know, when I, I started to like, I, I, I would compare it to the moment where Keanu Reeves in the Matrix realizes that it's a computer program. He's taking <laughs> the other pill. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Okay. I, I can see the other way. I've taken the other pill. Yeah. Now I, I I'm plugged up to this big machine. Oh crap! That's really creepy and uncomfortable. <laughs> but at least I know that. And then I can remember like yes. talking to friends, and they them saying to me, "You just need to stop this. You're never going to make as much money doing something else." Uh, blah blah blah. Don't drink the Kool Aid. And I'm like, do you realize that's a ref you know reference to mass mur massacre? You know, massacre yeah. of all these people who died. It's not like funny. Um, and they're just like, well, whatever. <laughs> you can't leave. You know? <laughs> like, I absolutely can leave. No, you can't. Like, what are you talking about? But I can remember wow. having those conversations, and some of my friends just couldn't handle it. Me That's talking interesting. about it. It was hilarious. I mean, it was sad, though. It was sad. Yeah. Really sad. But in the moment, you know, I just felt shut down. But I didn't get, I mean, there was just something in me that was kind of, you know, just a burning like yeah. passion. I, I have to not do this. I don't know what it is that I want to do, but it's not this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's a first, that's like an important first step to acknowledge to yourself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So how did you, you, you've acknowledged that to yourself, you know, it's not for you. How do you go about thinking about what your next steps would be? So I think I, you know, <laughs> I tried a lot of, I tried several different things. I tried getting help from coaches and therapists, which mm -hmm. didn't go that well. The, probably the most productive thing I did was I got, what color is your parachute? And I went through all the exercises yeah. and I actually made a plan based on that um, book and what it suggested. And I, I did all of that, made a plan. And that's really ultimately what I followed. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. The other probably most helpful thing is at the time I was leaving my law school, I'm law school, see, I'm like trapped. My law firm, <laughs> I was like right there, like on the precipice, what am I going to do? I kept networking, networking until I found a former attorney um, who was now a psychologist, which was one of the professions I was interested in. It was like I had okay. generated my what color is your parachute alternative careers? Like what yeah. skills do you like? Where do you want to live? What are your, your abilities? And then what are some alternative careers? 
And I yeah. came up with like se- with several in psychology was one of them. I met him and he had basically done what I was, you know, one of the things I was thinking about doing. Yeah. He, he just also happened to be an awesome guy. And, you know, I, he was my mentor and still is to this day oh, and wow. forever. So I think, you know, having a mentor it, for me was actually more helpful than the coach or therapist aspect, because honestly, no offense to you either people, but they didn't <laughs> really get it. They just didn't get it. There was this, you'd be happier if you left law thing. And I'm like, but there's this mortgage piece. Right. There are these, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, that's true. It's like, I, I believe like there's a way to create a plan to get from A to B, but it's not just quitting your job is not going to be the answer for everyone. And if they feel like throwing just sort of like jumping off a cliff without a parachute is the only option. That is a very, that'll continue to make you feel trapped. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely there's coaches and therapists or whoever you need in that space that aren't like that, but I just didn't meet them. But that was, I think developing that plan and I instinctively knew for me that I couldn't do that. And it, I had put too much into it and I did want to try to see what, you know, smaller pivots could I make. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in that firm, so that's my first law firm, I'm probably at this point two to three years out in that law yeah. firm, I think that's when I made that master plan and I pretty much followed that, but you know, there was, it was like a flow chart of like, if this, then that, then I got more data. So, you know, my first step in that plan. You definitely have like a scientist's mind because <laughs> you, a few times you've mentioned the data. I think that metaphor really yeah. is such a more helpful one than what we often do in law, which is the judge. And the judge weighs the evidence. But in litigation, typically, you know, whatever the standard, be it preponderance of the evidence or, you know, unreasonable doubt, it's still you lose, you win. Um, And scientists are more collect the data, do an experiment. Did it work? Did it not? But when you have a finding that doesn't work out, you don't go like, oh, my gosh, I didn't cure cancer. You actually learn that this thing doesn't cure cancer so now all these other people can stop working on it <laughs> right it's like the data is neutral and yeah. when you say judge it's also in the sense of like it's not a judgment about whether it's bad or good it's just feedback yes and, right right yeah and and that means you're going to have to fail because if to you have to learn you have to fail and you know if you're you know, anything that you do that's new I mean by definition right. you're learning it so failure is part of it and if you can flip that into more oh this is data this is feedback and this is learning then it takes that negative connotation out of it and I definitely was doing that now did I have that mindset all like when I was doing it no right (laughs) I do (laughs) oh this failed this didn't work I mean totally but I kept going right no right I just kept going somebody should interview my husband because he'd be like I was actually on the front row and I can tell you <laughs> like action movie where the star got beat up <laughs> yeah but no but that's important I feel like that perspective is 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 really important is that doesn't mean it's going to come easy but just to know that like you can either interpret these things trying things and then not working as failure or you can interpret them as 
feedback and data from which you can build on and whatever. Yeah, and not to say it's always going to be smooth and sailing, but like, just know that that thought process is available to you. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's forward movement. I tell clients yeah. that all the time. It's like in football, you know, you just want to go forward and not have yes. them push you back, even if it's a yard or half a yard that keeps you in the game. But yeah, depthness, like it's going to be this big thing that you boom, leave law and you drop it, you drop into magical career. That's not how it works. Yeah, um, it just doesn't. Um, that's how we got into the problem. We thought that we yes. go to law school and it's like the magic career unicorn. <laughs> right. And I do think, and I understand this, like we probably all understand this. We have the same mentalities that, that you can't go to a coach or a therapist or even a mentor of some sort and get like a fully laid out blueprint about how you are going to get to the place you want to be. Right. Um, right. And it's not going to happen in the snap of a finger. Uh, right. And that's hard. Like, we all want just to have an answer and to execute it, but that's just not the reality. <laughs> no, it's not. It's really just taking, I, and I, I think it's really taking, when you make that kind of master plan, prioritizing kind of what's going to give you the most bang for your buck in terms of, um, and I really did it based on my values and really what mattered the most to me at that time. And so I tried, you know, one of the things that really mattered to me was geography. I knew that I was happier when I was in nature, when I was connecting with, like, I love to hike, I love to kayak, we were very adventurous, and then I also wanted to yeah. be, like, also doing, you know, work that, again, that wasn't as stressful, and I knew I needed money to make my, you know, all law career work, so I had an opportunity to go to a big, a big, big law firm and their, their, their office in Colorado. Ah, through a friend who left my regional law firm that I had, you know, so my relationships with people is what's always helped me. So I had a good relationship with him and he ended up becoming a junior partner, moving out there. He had a connection to this big law firm. He knew if my husband was from Colorado, we might want to go there. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try like for this kayaking, hiking and skiing, fix it. Will that help move yeah, the needle? Yeah. Not like <laughs> I thought it was going to make me love law, but just will it help me have more space where, like you said earlier, we're all sitting there just trying to survive. Right. Um, and then the law firm I went to was known for lifestyle and kind of hipster and all of that. And it ended mm -hmm. up being true. So it was much less stressful then the regional law firm I left in North Carolina, which kind of had this more traditional vibe. So I went to more of a, you know, yeah, hip, cool place. And I liked what I did. I liked the people. And I was doing all these amazing things on my weekends, living in a place most people vacation. Um, yeah. And that, that feels familiar as I'm looking out the window at the mountain yes. that I plan to climb later this afternoon. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yeah. And, and that did give me space, but as you know, as you might imagine, yeah. that was not the end of the fairy tale. Um, right. It didn't sustain me. And I, but while I was there, I started doing a lot more stuff in terms of testing out some of those alternatives, career hypotheses I had, like being a photographer, being a dive instructor, being. Um, these were like my crazy hard in Colorado. It wasn't because I had <laughs> the law firm money and a great airport. Yeah. So you know, ah, you know, you have BIA and you're not that yep. far from Mexico. So um, Oh wow, yeah. yeah. I yeah. 
Um, but then I just kept going through that and psychology had been something I wanted to do. I thought about coaching without psychology. Mm -hmm. So I kept exploring those things. I had more mental space to do it. And then I ultimately decided on what to do and started implementing that, you know, and I left law. (laughs) So when you left law and you'd had, you'd been sort of, here are some possibilities and you're Mm -hmm. exploring them all contemporaneously. I, I take it just kind of doing things that interest you to see where those threads lead. Yeah, like I, um, I worked with a psychologist who had a private practice and then ran um, or was a director of an institute there and did some work with her because to get my PhD, I had to do research and I wanted to see mm-hmm. like, do I even want to do this? That sounds like so yeah. ancient. I mean, it um, sounds like a total nightmare to me. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I worked with a marriage um, or wedding, sorry, wedding photographer who mm-hmm. let me be like a, a second shooter. And oh, wow. she actually made more money than I did when I was, a, I'm serious. Um, and wow. so I worked yeah. with her. Um, I think that's also a good point that I think that we assume that um, law, you, one of the reasons you stay there is for the money, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that there isn't something you'd enjoy where you can also make money. Absolutely. Which, it sounds obvious, but I feel like in my own mind, I, I was like, my I can either have money or I can have something I like, one or the other. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I wonder, you know, Megan, if it's partly that when you come into law, if you go into a larger law firm, I mean, let's just face it, we don't really learn how to be lawyers in law school. I hope that I'm not offending right. your law schools no, out I there. Think that's but... a well-accepted <laughs> Okay, good. Um, and then you get paid, like, a ton of money. I mean, relatively yeah. from where you, yeah. what you were doing the summer before, like, I mean, or the year before, if you were like being right. a barista, you know, like, whoa, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, whoa, I'm making this money and you don't really know what you're doing. Well, the thing is, I think it's, it is important. That doesn't really happen a lot of other places. So the yeah. wedding photographer did not start making whatever she made. I think when I worked right. there, she was making $275,000 a year as a wedding photographer she had been doing it a while. So she didn't start there, but she wasn't starving to death when she started. Right, right. So I think probably that immediate, like, boom, you're making money from a larger law firm is tough to replicate. And that probably yeah. is true. Yeah, um, I, that is probably true. But if you're but doing it doesn't mean you can't get there. No, yeah. right, exactly. And yeah. also if you're doing something like I had a, a friend who – went from a law firm to being a trust agent at a bank and she really loves tax and trust mm-hmm. estates and that wasn't any she didn't feel any pain like financially it was hardly anything and she liked it you know yeah. so if you're making a more lateral move I don't even think that's the issue but if you're wanting like I was doing a complete I wanted to do a complete 180 because what I was doing in effect by moving to Colorado is I was trying you know different practice area um, because my it was a tech practice, but it was way more focused on um, entrepreneurial businesses. So, and yeah. I was like testing that. I'm testing the geography. I'm testing, you know, and I'm also saving money, honestly, for my <laughs> other yeah. thing. But yeah. but it didn't, you know. Ultimately, the data came back. Hey, um, I don't like practicing law in Colorado. I don't like it in a bus. I don't like it in a fuss. You know? right, like, right. like if I if I don't like it under these circumstances, I can rule it out that <laughs> yeah, right. that it is not it is not a circumstance thing. It is right. 
uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And it, and it helped me, I think, feel like, okay, when people ask me, of course they do, when I interviewed for my PhD programs, you know, why would you ever want to give up law for going back and doing this and starting over? And I'm like, ask no lawyer ever. (laughs) Right. Right. Just trust me. I'm good on that. I feel, I feel good about it, you know? And I also felt comfortable at that point, like when I applied and I didn't ultimately go to a PhD program. Yeah. I really wasn't worried about quitting it if I didn't like it <laughs> because I had already quit being a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. So instead of being like fearful about, oh, am I going to get myself down the road? I don't want to be again. You felt sort of empowered by your ability to walk away from something that wasn't working. Yeah. And I had yeah. been at one of the best um, tech law firms in the United States. And I thought, well, you know, I still could get my day job back, you know, yeah. I, and I felt like I could. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, once you quit, maybe I'm a, I'm a, I'm a serial quitter. I don't really know, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay <laughs> with quitting things that aren't working. I think that's, yeah. you know, I used to have yeah. a, a, a coaster by my bed when I was a lawyer that said, no when to jump off the swing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That was one of my little things like, oh, yeah, man. get off the swing. You will yeah. <laughs> so how did you... Um, decide to go the PhD route as opposed to anything else and how did you I I also went back to school and I got a master's although I would tell everyone it was mm, totally unnecessary from like an education standpoint but it was like my escape hatch so I took it Um, but I wonder how you thought through that process um, it's really funny because who knows what kind of dive instructor or photographer I would have been. But <laughs> I actually got really, fr- when I was doing the wedding photography, I got really frustrated with all of the, I guess the, I don't do as well with the customer service aspect with art and creativity. Mm-hmm. It didn't work with me. My relational, I mean, that was my strength as a lawyer. I was very good at getting client, getting clients into the firm and having good clients. Mm-hmm because I because yeah. I really loved working with people but when I worked with like an angry bride it did not translate so and then I thought like when I get older am I really going to be doing this I mean I just right imagine like but what great information to have gathered from actually doing it yeah. right yeah. I mean I I think it worked for her and we talked about it and she looked at me like blankly like I don't understand I thought well that's why you like it and I don't um Right. And the dive instructor thing, I we actually went on a diving trip and we did it all the time, but we went to one where we had a connection to the owner and he had been an investment banker and he bought ah. this job and dive boat company thing. And so I'm talking to him and he's telling me like, it's, you know, I still have to love tanks and I have to do all this stuff. And he's talking about the financial pressure and, and he had made a lot more money than I was going to have to save to be. Right, right. <laughs> He was like living in, you know, the Caymans, and, but it was like, this is cool, but it's like taking something I love and now it's not cool anymore. Yeah. And yeah. It, and it also just didn't feel sustainable. Same thing. Like I want to be doing what I love as long as I can. And I couldn't see myself doing that, you know, forever. Yeah. And so psychology was something I'd been interested in for a really long time. Of course, like thinking going back to school, you can imagine what kind of reverb I got on that from people. Yeah. I just want to go to school forever, all that. Um, yeah. That mentor that I had, he really helped with that. And he pretty much told me to do that that way. He said, go the first day. Well, first thing, I picked a PhD because 
it's paid for. So that's right. a harder path than getting a master's or a PsyD. More about you know that those are usually paid, but yeah, I found a professor who was older who did not need me to publish everything in the world because I had a baby and I was pregnant when I started. <laughs> wow, yeah, <laughs> and I just kept looking for the right professor because when you go into PhD program, it's really your mentor, right? Right. We had a grant. I could have a fully funded position. They paid for my PhD. Now, it's still out of pocket cost. I'm not making a big income by any stretch, right. but it was financially the best thing. And then the time, because he was more senior, it didn't take me as long. Most people take five to six years. It took me four. Yeah. And that was all I was willing to do. I mean, I felt like I could do that. The education for being a psychologist is absolutely necessary. So I definitely felt like yeah. Yeah. And, do it. Um, and I started doing it from day one, which he also told me. So he said, Jan, go day one, see if you like the classes better than law school. Just I was going to say, did you have the, I assume, a different reaction? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I had a long ago, like when I was still a lawyer, I had a career coach tell me, like, ask me, what kind of books do you have on your shelves that ah. are not fiction? And they were all human behavior, psychology, um, nerd that was what I nerded out on and I that was part of that process but also I had had um I had people in my family and other people who had struggled with issues and I had seen them get poor care Um, yes and it was something I but I was really interested in the science of it as well and it's like the PhD gave me more options I felt like each and do other things um so from day one I started I liked the the material I also got to see clients from day one, and I was a um, graduate teaching assistant from day one. So I was a baby professor, actually, yeah. to work with patients face-to-face, and then I was, you know, doing stuff. And it's it's backwards from law school. Like, you do the practical right. stuff from day one, and it's more like the educational part is in the background. The classes are more in the background. The application yeah. is, and that really helped to get through that program because I loved it from day one so it's been more yeah focusing on getting better and becoming like a master at your craft which yeah love it you can do but law school kind of does that reverse so you don't get to see that I think as soon yeah yeah well absolutely I mean it's getting like a little bit better they're trying to build in more of that but it's still fundamentally you know yeah. a traditional model um although as someone who currently works at a law school with all of this covid stuff it is it is very interesting to see how sort of traditional schools are re- are, are trying to manage and react and do things in a new way that they would never have accepted doing before so <laughs> but that's a whole other story <laughs> yeah. um so so then you finished your phd program and what route did you decide to take from there So from there, and um, I guess as an aside, while I was there, um, you know, I did some contract legal work for, you know, there was actually a company that I reached out to while I was there. So I did contract legal work while I was there to supplement my income. Yeah. And it was like reviewing licenses and things like that. And, you know, so it's like, it didn't, I mean, my law degree helped me. And then I, I testified several times while I was there because I was involved in, um, like clients who had been 
juveniles actually who had criminal involvement. So I often had to testify. My ah. lawyer definitely helped with that. HIPAA, all that stuff I knew yeah. and was comfortable with. And judges didn't, you know, I had like defense attorneys trying to do prosecutors trying to do this stuff to me. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> don't nice try. So sorry. Um, but then after that, I actually was, I had a couple different options, but you have to do a fellowship after to get enough clinical hours to get your license. So I did that. And then I had mm-hmm. um, a couple of options, but I ended up becoming, um, I had a position for a couple years as, and then I, one of the draws to me was doing lots of different things. And in law, I was just talking to somebody about this, like, yeah. He was doing like a side business and then was going to be an associate and that was not okay. But in psychology, like that's accepted. So I was a professor. I was um, an assistant director of a treatment program. So I'm actually, and I'm doing research on the treatment program. So it's applied research in that we mm-hmm. do intervention with these youth. Did they get better? Did they have better outcomes? Did they go to college? Did they do this? Did they do that? Um, so I'm doing research on real things happening to better the science, but I'm actually doing mm-hmm. the stuff. And then I was actually doing private practice at the same time and teaching classes. Yeah. And I worked less than I did as a lawyer by far. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it was, um, and I was, you know, I wasn't making lawyer money at that point. Like I had as a big law firm, but I was making, you know, close to six figures and you know I didn't think that was going to happen um, yeah but I was really happy I was getting better at what I was doing um, and then ultimately I decided I wanted to go closer um, my family's from North Carolina and I wanted to go home so I shifted to private practice and then did coaching as well so mm-hmm. but I you know it's really like when you're doing something like this um, becoming an expert. I think there's that, you know, 10,000 hours it takes to become an expert. Yeah. I, I felt like every step of it made me better at what I did. And so I don't think I look at it like maybe I would as a lawyer, like it was wasted, you know? Yeah. No. It's, it's, just I, it's part of what you got you to where you are. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so what is your practice now? I know you do sort of work with professionals in yeah. some capacity as well. Maybe you could tell us about, about that. Oh, sure. Um, well, now I, I mean, my, I have a psychology practice that is focused more on mental health. And then my coaching practice is more, I would say, performance and career topics. So mm-hmm. you know, I work with, for example, I work with lawyers, physicians, executives in both capacities, but I would say the differences in my, my practice, I mean, my, my psychology practice is that these are people who often um, have maybe other things going on, like they have trauma or something like that, or yeah. they could have done a lot with a coach years ago, but mm-hmm. they just kind of stayed where they were. And the problem now has gotten to the point that they're having panic attacks or their marriage has been you know, affected, their parenting has been affected, and it's become now now it's in the world of the diagnosable disorder with coaching i'm getting people yeah. earlier who are motivated like kind of what the heck i can't do this <laughs> and, yeah know, well, what a cautionary tale you know i had a guest on that talked about sort of the mental health and like addiction problems of that aren't really discussed and just 
yeah, how detrimental these things are when you let them go for a 20 year career, a 30 year career. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's really, uh, I, mean, I really do try to tell clients on both sides uh, that it is, it's really not this. I think people think it's this mystical, magical thing that they can't do, but I really want to help clients both ways to be their own best coach or therapist eventually. Like they can learn a lot of it is a lack of knowledge. Um, hmm you know, not understanding that stress is normal and having a lot of thoughts when you're a very intelligent person is normal. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and how some of these, like, yeah, I'm a big neuroscience person. So a lot of this, you know, a lot of this, you know, constant doubt, constant, all of that, those are yeah. things that are neurologically hardwired into us when we're under threat. So yay, you're human. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think you know, for lawyers, especially, um, they really believe, they seem to believe that, you know, I can control my thoughts. I can reason through any emotion, um, all of that, which is yeah. sadly not true. Um, yeah. <laughs> and my, because I work with a physician, they know that's not true, but they're like, how do I do that? Actually, <laughs> how do I do Yeah. That? So what do you, what do you help? them do like how do how are they sort of how do you help them sort of approach the issues differently so I guess um you know what I would say what what you're asking about is like what I would call is like the mindset blocks which to me are really um skills related to like emotion regulation and then um mindfulness and I guess cognitive I guess what I would say cognitive clarity and process um, mm -hmm. how that works um, but typically what I'm doing is educating them and I usually start with emotion regulation because people really you know, I just hear you know you hear a lot of people like they'll say to me I want to not I, want, I don't want to be so anxious I, I don't want to get so yeah. upset when um, that partner gives me these comments or you know, a physician, like, I want to stop worrying that every patient is going to give me COVID or whatever. Um, right, right. And the thing is, is that um, whenever somebody says that, like, I have, I have to, I'm going to have to go through some neuroscience for them because you can't yeah. do that. You can't do things in the negative. Like, I will say, like, that's a dead person's goal. Like, if a dead person can do it better than you, and, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. totally not worry about what other people think. So, getting rid of emotions is it, it it's not the goal the goal is actually being able to acknowledge it which makes them less when you try to push it down yeah fmri research to prove this it actually makes the thought amplify and the emotion amplify so the emotion is trying to you know your your emotions are trying to keep you alive it's fight or flight they're trying to keep you alive don't get killed by you know you used to be you know, yeah. wild bears and lions, and now it's your boss's email. Um, but those emotions have to be acknowledged, and then it's like, okay, what do I want to do about that? Do I need to, you know, get my heart rate down by taking a walk, um, doing some deep breaths, or, you know, am I clear enough to now pivot and talk to this person? Yeah. Um, but knowing, like, that all of that, you know, the cognitive piece is, like, all that noise that you have is going to come up. Yeah. Um, but then ultimately it's figuring out what matters to you. And that values clarification piece is a really tough one for lawyers often, but it's got to be done. Um, yeah. But then it's pivoting to some type of action 
that you're doing while it's like one of my clients, <laughs> when she said, it's like, I'm going into this room to talk to somebody or present. She was doing a presentation. She was a partner. She was going to a presentation to talk to somebody. And she had all these thoughts about how she was not good enough, not from Harvard Law School, whatever it was. Yeah. And she's like, it's like I pictured having all these balloons that I was holding in my hand. They had all these like hater thoughts all over them. And then I'm going up to the podium with my balloons. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I want to make this presentation. It really matters to me. I think that this topic, it was like being a mom in, um, in law. And yeah. it was highly value-based. So she's like, I'm just going to like surf that and do it. Right. And she's like, eventually, like midway through, the balloons were gone. But yeah, I, I just did it until I felt like, okay, this is me doing it. And then the thoughts go away. But you can't make them go away. Right. Um, you can't muscle. I, I mean, it feels to me like lawyers are trying to muscle through so much yeah. and that yeah. that is not effective. <laughs> it's not effective. It's not effective. It's, it's more like taking, but I think, you know, you can see just when we're talking about this, that if you don't know this, like if somebody, if somebody says to you, Hey, there's yeah. thousands of years of evolution to say that you need to listen to your emotions because they work to help you not get killed. But you, yeah, you should also get that you're not an automaton, like you're not a mm -hmm. robot. You can choose how you act. Even if you can't choose what you feel in that moment, you can choose what you do. And that's what saves you is, is what yeah. you do. Um, but you have to have that knowledge or else, you know, my clients will say, well, I feel like a crazy person for doing this. And I'm like, well, um, I, if you didn't have this feeling when, you know, a partner is coming to your office with his eyes cross and in this tone all this right. information telling your amygdala oh crap this is a bear then you have <laughs> a neurological disorder that would be right. a neurologist <laughs> so. right right i mean i think that is you know i think ultimately people want to feel like they aren't crazy um yeah. and that they but that they have some amount of control over their lives and their, yeah. you know, part of it's how you think, part of it's what you're doing, I guess. Um, yeah. But also, you know, if you, if it sounds to me like if you do that kind of work and you can regulate those emotions, you're not constantly in that fight of flight and it might leave you more space to do those other reflections that actually like the value work that you were talking about seems yeah. like an important second step. But you can't do that when you're under, like, massive anxiety, right? Right. I mean, and you know what? I think I should just give you, like, yeah. the PhD right now because right? <laughs> <laughs> I've supervised a lot of students and stuff, and they will work with people who are high achieving, and they will start. I think a lot of people go, boom, let's start with values work. That sometimes yeah. works. works when I have, you know, I've worked with lawyers who really love what they do. And yeah. they don't like the people they work with and maybe they want to go out on their own or whatever. But most lawyers that I work with who are in organizations like big law firms and there's a disconnect on their values, their mindset, their thoughts and emotions have really been beating them up and they can't yeah. get space to do the values work. And if I said, hey, let's think about what really matters to you, they'd be like, what? Like, I, that's so abstract and right. they're just not there. And you're exactly right. So yeah. yay for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just think it's also 
if you know if you're sitting out there being like i am in that massive stress and the idea that like i could have any like time to even think about these things it's like that's okay i i think part of it is just people knowing like it's normal you're not alone there are steps you can take that will help you feel less you know under attack and then you can move forward it's not going to take two days and that's okay (laughs) and that's okay yeah it's it's not i think you know it does help for a lot of of people that i work with and i am i do work this way is from day one i want i want to start doing actions and because Mm -hmm. that's really like you know that thing we talked about with like collecting the data and having the experience but it doesn't it's not going to be huge like what you know and i think a lot of lawyers that's the other part they have this yardstick of well it's not even worth doing if it's not huge um yeah and it so it does take some willingness to lean into this discomfort there and go i'm going to start with this small thing retool just like if you were starting a new workout routine i mean you know have the dreads and you're going to do the thing but part of it is also really assessing that with a client and making sure just you know you're just outside like up at their at their you know comfort zone at the top of that but not too far that they feel overwhelmed and you know then being really empowering and um supportive during that process and i mean i think that's the biggest thing when you're working with somebody a coach, therapist, yeah. whatever is, if that person makes you feel judged, that person makes you feel like you do when you're a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. How smart they are, how, like that's not the right person. There's nothing wrong with you. That's a fit issue. And I would rather people just keep try to interview these people and be yeah. because that doesn't mean you shouldn't be, you know, going down that route. It's just finding the right person for you because they're worth it. I mean, you're worth it. You're, yeah you're worth that, you know, getting that person who believes in you and is, is going to help you. Um, absolutely. absolutely. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I want, so I want to bring it back to just, first of all, I could talk about this all day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think it's all really interesting. Um, but thinking back, like if you, if someone is sort of sitting there being miserable at a big law firm, like, is there any like sort of one first piece of advice that you would give them to sort of how to start getting yourself out of that space? Yeah. Can I have like two, like a corollary? Yes. First one? Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> um, I would, You're tough negotiating. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say that, you know, it's just remembering that to live like in the moment that you have. And the only moment you have is right now. And mm-hmm you can't we're always kind of living in the future and if you've been climbing that ladder of achievement it's always you know what's it going to be like when i'm in law school what it's going to be like when i'm a lawyer what's going to be like when i make partner but Mm -hmm. that you know that not being able to live in the moment is really the test and your the the ultimate task to me of life is being comfortable being uncomfortable And, and this whole piece of if you want to leave law then knowing that it is not going to be this one big, like we talked about, it's not going to be this yeah. one perfect next step, career, job. You know, we take this massively you know, intelligent, brilliant, multi-passionate human being, and we say, I'm going to synthesize you into this job. That's not right. how it works. Um, so it's really just knowing in this, like, 
asking yourself in this moment, what matters to me and what steps can I take towards that right now? Even if yeah. it's small, even if it's, you know, and knowing that it should be uncomfortable. Oh, look, it's uncomfortable. It's working. I'm working. Yeah. My brain. <laughs> Success. <laughs> because yeah. I'm doing something that feels outside my comfort zone and my brain is like, what the heck are you doing? That's what it's about. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're, you can, you know, you we've got like, we're like, a, you know, in checkers when you king, you can go either direction, like, yay for right. you. Right. Go forward <laughs> and sideways. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, where can people find you? Well, um, I guess for your audience, it would be more people maybe wanting to know more about. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to get some more resources on my website and blog articles and things. I'm mm-hmm. still working on that. I have that in my therapy site, but most of the people listening to you would be more coaching. Um, and so my website's janneymancoaching.com. Um, and then I do, I could put some, I, I did this, I've done this before, but just giving some resources maybe that you could put in the show notes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because I do think that there's a lot that people can do on their own. Um, and I did that myself. So yeah. <laughs> eventually I got more help and, and was able to find coaches and things like that. But in the beginning, it was just me trying yeah. to do stuff. So I could <laughs> um, send some resources that could be helpful. Um, and then um, I've been like when I do a podcast with someone like you who's got this audience, I really love working with lawyers. So I typically offer um, several free coaching calls to the first people who contact me. Um, oh, how generous. So, yes. And so <laughs> I, you know, that's one of my values is service. So, um, and I think for, for lawyers, like it's a barrier, like the cost is a barrier, um, even though they might be making a lot of money. Yeah. They don't really want to spend it on themselves. Um, yeah. A lot of times. So I can send you some information on that as well. That would be great. Um, I think you are going to have some takers. Law students too, so law students count too. Oh, great! Well, thank you, Jan, so much. This has been a total pleasure, and it was like I just—I feel like I learned a ton, even. (laughs) And it was just a lot of fun to talk with you. Thank you so much. Me too. I really appreciate you having me.